0: Hello and welcome back to the Comic Books Matter podcast. I'm your host, Jesse, and with me today is one of the coolest guests I've had the pleasure of talking to yet. Uh, He's the writer of many DC titles, including Midnighter and Apollo, Batman in the Shadow, Justice League of America, Wonder Woman, Gotham City Monsters, (laughs) Electric Warriors, Martian Manhunter, Supergirl, and so many more. He's also written Crude, Virgil, Undertow, Outlaw, Territory for Image. However, he's not stopping anytime soon because coming from Image is Commanders in Crisis, which I believe is out tomorrow, right?
1: Uh, it's a week from tomorrow, actually. Week from
0: tomorrow, okay. And then Aftershock's Kill a Man, and then just announced recently is TKO's The Pull. It's Steve Orlando.
1: Hey, uh, that is me, and all those things are real, so I'm excited to talk about them.
0: Yeah, I was writing down all the stuff you've written, and I'm like, man, this is far more than I remember. Even though I own, like, basically every DC title, except for maybe, I think, Supergirl, it it feels ridiculous that there's such a huge pile of books in, like, the last 10 years that you've been just pumping out.
1: Uh, well, you know, I did move to Boston in the, in, in that time, so we, we uh, my rent tripled and I needed to work a lot more, um, but I wish I could say uh, yeah, that that was the, the sole reason, uh, but it's actually not at all. I would be doing this if I was living in Syracuse and renting a mansion for, like, the cost of a Big Mac.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: It's just, uh, you know, it's great to be here. I, I was trying to break in for 20 years before I got into comics, so now... I'm in this phase of my career where, you know, you folks are willing to support me. That's the main thing. Like, mm-hmm. I, w- I was about to say like, oh, you know, if I see something I want to do, I just do it. Come up when we're in this interview. But the reality is like, if I was just some asshole, like screaming into the dark, I wouldn't be able to do that. So really I'm here making a lot of books and the books that I think the world needs uh, because folks are here supporting me as well. So. Uh, it's a really, it's, it's a privileged place to be. It's a, it makes me as humble as I can be for someone with a social media personality. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it's been a surprisingly fertile time after I left DC. Uh, just like when I see a book that should exist, I, I step out there and I make it and uh, you guys have been there for me. So I appreciate it.
0: And I think that's, uh, something to say about the people who love your work too, is like, I feel like at this point, especially with the books that are coming out now, how different it seems like each one is genre wise. You literally can write anything that you feel like writing at this point and your audience is just going to follow. Because even with your DC work, it's so vast and different uh, tonally, but, but everything in, in the core kind of still deals with identity and who you are. And I feel like so are the new books in a lot of ways, at least from what I read at, uh, in Commanders in Crisis and what I know about Kill a Man.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- th- those are things, I think that certain things are always going to be part of, of uh, my work. I mean, every author has sort of their, their hallmarks, you know, like if, if, if my friend Tom King wasn't writing about people staring out windows and crying, like, where would he be? Yeah. So uh, that's definitely true. But the nice thing about that is, is my opinions about those sort of concepts uh, are always changing. Uh, and and that's why I'm more work. You know, the, the the statement is different. I mean, the statement in *Kill a Man* is different than it was in *Virgil*. It's different than it was in *Undertow*. It, uh, you know, uh, it's different even than it was in a book like *Dead Kings*, which only came out a couple of years ago. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I mean, there's things that I, I, I you know I like to talk about, and really, it's because I still wrestle with them. Uh, and and you know, I think a lot of people do. So I'm I, I'm lucky that I'm able to, to to continue to sort of stay. You know make these statements and say and, and speak about things through this medium of comics um but at the same time like it's been more challenging than ever i've been challenging myself you know you listed a lot of things not even announced and i can't say what they are but i'm, I'm going to be a uh, like a ya fantasy book mm-hmm. uh, two different ya type books come out in the next year i'm doing a horror book which i've never done so it really is interesting to see how the, how i can sort of funnel the things that are important to me things that i think should be important to the world through these new genres and that's been a big push of me ever since I went independent. Like, you know, again, like I I no longer do I want to sit here and say like, oh, I really wish someone would do this. Like it goes on my idea board and I find a way to do it.
0: And that, I think that's uh, the most inspiring thing is because I've heard other stories of you talking about how long it took you to break into the industry. So going all the way back to when you were like a kid, what was the first comic book that really grabbed you in any way and told and kind of shook you was like, this is something I want to get to at one point. I want to be the one making these books.
1: Well, I mean, it was, so the first book I ever bought was actually uh, it was an issue of West Coast Avengers. And, and it's a bizarre thing that I have now memorized what it was, but I have a pretty good memory. This was like in a quarter bin in the eighties, but it was West Coast Avengers 16 Uh, and it was about, it was called The Tale of Two Kitties, and it was about Tigra and, uh, Hellcat arguing over, uh, battling over the Hellcat costume, which might have just been called The Cat Costume at that point. I, I'm unsure, because I was too. Uh, and it, and then they, of course, get over it, and they beat Tiger Shark by cutting his dorsal fin apart with their claws. And for some reason I was hooked, you know? And the reason I think is just, it was the wild costumes, it was was the gonzo-ness, it was the flair, it was the sort of uh, the soap opera uh, presentation of emotions. Like it was just all very bold and wild. And I loved that energy from the start. And I loved comics since then, but I don't know that I knew I wanted to do it until actually probably like 10 years later, and it was actually, I owe that to Electric Superman, of all things, because there was an article in the New Times about how, you know, Superman's powers were changing, his costume was changing, and it was never going to be the same. You know, certainly he would never go back to the red, white, and yellow. Um, this was electric shit was here to stay. And so I was like, fuck, I have to get on board. And uh, with the first issue I bought, it was during the time in the late 90s when effectively the Superman books were a weekly, like there were four books, but they were all running one story and it was by a writer's room. And there was an editorial piece in there about how they came up with his electric powers and his electric costume. And it detailed sort of the collaboration. And and, and, and that's when I was hooked, when I sort of saw that you could, you know, comics were this, this sort of, I didn't even have the words for it back then. But now I look back and it was, it was, it was that they were this sort of collaborative organic thing, you know, where like no one person was doing it, but you were all pulling the best out of each other. You were all pulling creativity out of each other. And now I look back and know that's what it was. But mm-hmm. to be honest, you know, when I was 12, I just saw that and I was like, oh, people get to make cool shit and get paid for it. I must do that. Uh, and so I started saving cans, which I did for a year. Uh, the deal with my parents was that if I could pay for my plane ticket to San Diego, they would, go with me because I was 12 uh, and and pay for the hotel. So I saved up like 400 fucking dollars in cans and went to my first San Diego Comic-Con and God helped me asked people how to break into comics. Uh, My still best, one of my best friends and mentors, Steve Siegel, who created Man of Action, him and Joe Kelly, uh, Man of Action and and Ben 10, him and Joe Kelly were uh, on X-Men at that time. They either liked the cut of my jib or took pity on me. Uh, and started giving me reviews for my scripts when I was like twelve or thirteen, and it sort of guided me ever since. But it all it all started both from West Coast Avengers and then Electric Superman
0: and like with both of those you talk about how like the the flair of the comic book is what grabbed you and and especially with electric superman the like like being able to do oh man i can just make up whatever i want and people will pay to read it is what got you to want to write it but is there any like emotional story in the comics you read growing up that made you realize oh i can do the flair and have the impact at the same time
1: uh well you know i look the thing is as as I got older, yes, the answers changed. Um, I'm not going to dress myself up like some young savant. Like mm-hmm. when I was, you know, twelve or thirteen years old, I I just liked that anything could happen, and 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 for the most part, usually it was cool shit that was happening. So you know, and and I, and I've since, you know, your points of view change. When I was a kid, uh, I you know, I guess the best example is like the, the best when it really works out. Um, your understanding of work changes, and then it also deepens and, and it doesn't ruin anything. You know, like two examples of it, you know, like as a kid, I thought Rorschach was really cool because Wizard Magazine told me it was cool that he broke people's fingers. Yeah. Now I'm an adult who understands police brutality and fascism, and I, I, I wouldn't say, I think Rorschach is the villain of that book. He's certainly mm-hmm. not, he's mm-hmm. not, he's not an admirable character.
0: Yeah. Uh, yeah. He's,
1: he's an object lesson, and so in that respect, um, I, you know, I, I it changed how the way I felt about a character and it's something I used to think was cool uh, in a way that didn't sort of, you know, I wasn't excited that I used to like Rorschach and now I don't look at him as an admirable character even though back in the day, I was just like, oh my God, he breaks people's fingers and night owl, what a pussy, you know, so.
0: <laughs> yeah, uh, I get that 100%, but, with the, with the, especially but,
1: the characters. Well, but as a counterpoint, uh, you know, young bisexual Steve was enraptured by Midnighter because he was both gay and, like, did not give a fuck. You know, like, the representation that I was getting at that time was totally valid on shows like Will and Grace, but it also didn't resonate with me personally because it's not, it didn't really match my personality. Mm -hmm. Uh, So When I saw someone like Midnighter, I was like, oh, you can be, like, this the way I am, and also you can, you you don't have to be this other one-way like when it comes to personality. You also don't have to be a murderous, you know, killing machine uh, with a computer brain, but you know, there's, there's room in between. Yeah. The interesting thing about that is like, I also loved The Authority back in the day for like, oh, all they do is widescreen block, it's cool shit. Then as I got older and you read these interviews with, uh, with Ellis and he reveals that The Authority were actually the villain of that book, uh, which now is pretty widely known. Uh, in that case, I found the book all the more fascinating, you know, because it basically, I got worked. Mm-hmm. You know, it was a book to show our tendencies uh, towards, towards towards mayhem and, and overreach of power. And now I find it all the more fascinating that, to see a team that lives in the gray area, uh, rather than as a kid, again, I was just like, oh, this is like the Justice League, but so much more badass. You know? Um, and so in that case, like, I, I look back on the characters differently, but it's only enriched my enjoyment of them. And of course, it depends on what you realize about them. Uh, but that's all a long answer of, you know, it was a pretty shallow interest. I'm not going to pay myself up like some fucking wizard uh, when I was 12, but, you know, as I grew and became uh, hopefully less shallow, so it too did my interest in the stories I wanted to tell.
0: Yeah, and with, like, moving on to, like, Commanders in Crisis, which is coming out soon, and it's also a teen book with, um, I, don't, I wouldn't say, like, there's a gray area yet with that first issue that you let me read, but it feels like there very much could be a super big gray area from some of the characters later on. Um, did all of these early team books like Watchmen or The Authority or like old JLA t- uh, titles, how did they all like kind of work their way into Commandments and in Crisis for you?
1: Uh, well, I mean, so the interesting thing is that... In some ways, because I was at DC for six years, the, the books that most strongly influenced Commanders Crisis is my own work uh, and, and the work of my peers when I was there. Because a lot of what goes into that book is, are things that you know, I wasn't allowed to do when I was at DC or things that you know, I got said no to or, or I couldn't do because I was working in an established universe. You know, it's not always like some, some, someone brings in a hammer and it's like, no creativity. You know, that doesn't always happen. Sometimes it just can't be done uh because you know you're working in a shared universe with other creators and the revelations you uh, are hoping to have obviously affect other books so for one reason or another a lot of Commanders in Crisis was informed by the limitations uh either by necessity or or you know for for more malicious reasons uh of some of my past works and the victories as well you know you know the things that I learned at DC I'm I think I'm a better writer after being there and sort of finding out what really connects to people and how you really lure someone in with the story. Cause I'll be honest, you know, you were talking about what drew me to comics. You know, I, because I'm not a traditional reader, uh, you know, I think that I like things that are, I think I latched onto a concept before, like for example, an emotional hook for a character. Uh, Coming to DC, I realized that that was not, How most folks function. And so I I, if when I look back at my own work, I'm highly critical of it. And I would say that There's a lot of great successes in something like Midnighter, for example, especially the first arc and the third arc. But the second one I do think I kind of got lost in being like well, all people want from comics is cool shit. I can do cool shit. Like I have the coolest shit around, but I sort of forgot that you need to nest character in that so people know Mm -hmm. why they give a fuck and I learned that so well uh, in the six years of DC. So like my, my triumphs, like in my opinion, something like, something like Martian Manhunter also informs uh, Commanders in Crisis because I wouldn't have been doing this team book the same way. I wouldn't have been doing this, it's not even a team book, this event book, you know, we're mm-hmm. essentially yeah. trying to do, we're trying to do uh, what the Justice League movie aspired to and launch with an event and then build the world out after that, uh, which is the hope. I wouldn't have done it the same way if I hadn't spent years at D.C. really learning, frankly, how to talk to readers Uh, because I myself am sort of an impenetrable asshole Uh, and I realized that I have to, I I have to learn the language of of, of storytelling for a broader scope. Uh, Because, you know, a lot of people say they're basically like just writing for them to themselves. And that's fine when you think like an average uh, type of reader. But that's never been me. So, so DC really taught me how to still stay on my message, but tell it in a way that was in as engaging as possible for a broad readership. So Commanders in Crisis mostly is a reaction to all those books, my failures, my triumphs, and of course it's a reaction to things like, uh, I mean, things like The the Icons, uh, Grant's, Grant and Howard's Justice League, uh, you know, um, the... I actually really love the big, big, bold storytelling of of, of the minute and a half that Jeff was at uh, was at Marvel on the Avengers. Mm-hmm. As well, yeah. so uh, you know we're 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 responding to all those things and being informed by all those things, but also the key for me is that we have to be new. Uh, I don't love the trend now in comics that are basically just we we're, we're just telling stories about things that happened eight years ago or 30 years ago. And in a nutshell, that's not a problem, but we're not really saying anything new. We're just saying, wasn't that great? Yeah. And, and, and that's not what I think you folks deserve. So in that way, almost everything the industry is putting out informs the book too. I can tell you one thing, like, you know, obviously we're doing a comic by someone who loves comics uh, and loves the tropes of comics. But motherfucker, I'm going to say something new and have new ideas every issue. And, and look, some people may be like, oh, this is too weird. That's totally valid i think folks deserve new i don't think they deserve books that are just jerking off 1986 uh and so so that's what i'm here to give you
0: and as, as a reader as someone who's read uh comics f- basically i think at this point my whole life give or take um and reading most of your dc works i f- i felt all the stuff that you were writing at dc in commanders in crisis but in a much fresher way because you weren't restrained like there was bits of wonder woman there was bits of justice league martian manhunter midnight and apollo all in that first issue but all of it felt fresh Where a lot of the new books that both publishers kind of feel like oh we're doing this plot point again and and like as you said you get kind of bored of seeing the same plot points you're hoping that the but you're just still hoping that the next event is something new for you
1: well, I mean, yeah. And to be fair, like, I'm not ragging on the industry as a whole. I think that if there wasn't an enormous market for that content, it wouldn't be successful. So yeah. I think that there's a place for those books, but much like anything, you know, comics tends to be like 180 180 miles an hour into a brick wall to take a right turn. There's a, there's a place for everything. And we can have these nostalgia books that sort of shine a light on those things, but we need new as well. It doesn't have to be all or nothing. So... That's always something I've liked. Like I love Tynan and uh, Jimenez on Batman right now because it's, it, it's, it's so much of this is new characters. Yeah. Uh, you know, for, for example. Um, and so much of this is just about about building up and introducing new players. And maybe they don't all work, you know? Like I, I created a bunch of characters for DC and who knows if anyone will ever remember them, but I, I tried and I'm gonna keep trying. Uh, and, you know, when people do, it's, 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 it's great. And I think that that's how Big Two Comics grows. You know, I met Grant. It, you know, it's crazy the way people think. Uh, being a, uh, someone who got, was reading comics in the late 90s, obviously Grant is like, you know, psychedelic comics Jesus for me. And when I met him and I told him that I would used Prometheus and Aztec in, uh, in some of my work, I was like a little nervous, you know, because sometimes people are a little precious about their stuff. Yeah. And he was honestly so humble and just so gratified that I even remembered, needless to say, that I was reintroducing them and building them up. Um, you know, and, and and to me, those are characters that were formative. So I, I think people need new, and 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 the other thing to think about when I'm doing with Big Two versus out as a Crisis is it may not even take hold until years, years later. You know, like yeah. I, I love Aztec, but it took me getting in uh, and 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 pushing to have that character show up uh, for it to get a spotlight again. So I think that you know I I want Commanders in Crisis and this world to be basically one. Like I can't stop myself. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say what I think about comics as a, as a whole. But at the end of the day, for me and and hopefully eventually the folks that we bring in, um, if we can. Um, this should be a place where you can really, you can really just like let your creativity go. You can give people new ideas as often as possible. And, and, and that's my real hope for it. Like I'm, re- I'm issue five has stuff. I know I could never get over the plate at DC and that's not because they're anti ideas. It's because they're weird fucking ideas, but you know what? Now it's my book. So we're leaning into it.
0: And with the uh, commanders in crisis too, but, uh- when you read the first issue, you get to the last few pages of the first issue too. It really does feel like a love story of everything that the big two have done in their events, but with an, with uh, with just a fresher take on it. And it really is a love story to the comic fan, like the long term comic fan. So I'm really excited for everybody else to read it in a, next week.
1: I mean, that's my that's what I want. You know, we want to say we recognize this huge legacy, both behind the scenes and in front, you know, and on the page of comics but and also that we're pushing forward and that goes with uh i mean from top to bottom you know you asked influences i'm an idiot and didn't mention thunderbolts there's probably no stronger influence than thunderbolts mm-hmm. uh, for commanders in crisis because that first issue of the initial bagley and music run it was like pre-big internet that thing hit like a sledgehammer yeah. nobody did, you know and and obviously those things will never really be recreated because everybody knows everything these days uh but that type of energy and anything can happen is what I want to go for. And and we're going to continue to do that both on the textual and metatextual level. It's important to me, like, I mean, I'm spoiling it for a future solicit, but like, it's important to me, uh, even in our variant program, like each variant means something. We're, mm-hmm. we're and, and one of the things we're doing is spotlighting artists that I think are foundational that haven't really gotten a fair shake. One of our future variants is going to be by Trevor Bon Eden, who's the co-creator of black lightning. He's the, he's a, I the man of color who co-created Black Lightning, and it's crazy yeah. people are only talking about Tony Isabella. No shade against Tony. Tony's a nice guy, but he is the white writer of the book, and people should be spotlighting the Black man that co-created him with him. And all I can do is what I can do, and that's give him a platform. And so we're doing that. Uh, and, and you're going to see things like that. I hope to get Ramona Ferdone back, you know. Uh, so yeah, I got her into Wonder Woman 750, uh, along with Brittany Holzer. We pushed for that. Uh, She's probably the most iconic and foundational living female comic artist alive at age 94. Uh, And and I want to celebrate her, you know, like this is a book that recognizes we're part of an 80 year legacy. We're excited to be part, pardon me, not 80 years, uh, 90 almost now. Uh, And we're excited to be part of it. And we, uh, and and we want to push it forward at the same time.
0: And like, I know Commander's Crisis is that next week, but I actually want to also talk about a Man because I've heard the the backstory of how uh, you can't kind of came up with the initial idea for the the story and it's based off of a true story. But is there any comic book influences for Killer Man also?
1: Comic book influences. Um It's tough because that's one of those books that I mean we i i largely think is filling a hole that's that's underserved you know yeah. uh there hasn't been a mixed martial arts comic since heart mm-hmm. which i think was written by blair butler at least you know let's say eight to ten years ago i don't actually remember but it's out for my image and folks should check it out if they're interested in mixed martial arts um so there's not a huge, although weirdly, I would say like the, the, the success of books like Check, Please, which, is, a, which is, is nothing like Kill a Man in Implementation, but it's a sports book. It shows that sports books can be wildly successful um, because that's a queer hockey romance, uh, is an inspiration in some ways for Kill a Man because yeah, like I, I'm a vi- totally different writer. I'm a violently different writer than, than the creators of that book. Uh, but the idea, you know, sports are generally looked at as the genre in comics. Uh, and, and we think that with the right, again, the right emotional hook, it shouldn't matter if it's a sports book.
0: Mm-hmm. You know,
1: if I told people a mix, it was a mixed martial arts book, I'm sure there's a couple, a, a lot of people that would just like wave off immediately. But if I'm like, oh, it's about this guy who, who's has, who has to work with the guy who killed his dad, uh you know then they're immediately engrossed because how can that even be you know i i the shortest pitch on killing man is it is it's like creed if creed had trained with ivan drago instead of rocky they're you know? like how can that possibly be you know so i think that you know the inspiration is you know this genre which yes has been shown in heart and has been wildly successful in the independent scene with books like check please we want to show that it has viability and just tell a laser-focused, gripping story that, yeah, it's about being a mixed martial arts champion. But in the same way that, you know, a movie like Creed is really about having some sort of goal, some sort of thing you just have to do. It happens to be about boxing for Donnie. But look, I'm a huge coward. I hate getting hit in the face. It's only happened three times in my life. But I identified like hell with Adonis Creed Mm -hmm. because How many people in my life do you think told me to quit doing comics for the 20 years I was trying to get it? And I'll tell you, everyone. My parents, my grandparents, all my friends. When are you gonna give up, Steve? You know, cheer up, kid. Maybe it'll never happen. You tried. So when I see him and nobody wants him to do this thing, which for him is boxing and he just has to do it. Yeah, identify like that. I identify with that like crazy, even though I'm never gonna get in the ranks again, coward. But that's what we hope with kill a man. Maybe you're not a UFC fan but you are probably a fan of overcoming your own demons and finding pride in yourself and and really being answerable only to yourself and and winning according to your own standards. And, and that's hopefully the way that we get people in on that book.
0: And that's honestly how you got me into it. Also how like I went to pre-order is, it wasn't because of the original solicitation of it. Oh, it's a UFC book, but it was hearing you talk about the story and what the heart of the book is. And that was way more fascinating to me than it just being a UFC UFC title about showing fighting. And it also made me think about how weirdly Western comics is lacking in the sports genre. Like we have the, um, we have fence, is is it fence? Is that the name of the book? Mm-hmm. Um, and we have a few others, but I always think about, cause I read all kinds of comics, like the, the sports manga that I read that is just abundant over in Japan. And it's not because people like the sport, it's because of the heart of the characters and the story behind the characters and I really do hope that kill starts inspiring people to uh, divvy out more into independent sports books and putting like really impactful stories behind a sport and getting people in that way. Because I think that's something the, the Western market could definitely uh, use more of.
1: Well, I'll tell you, kill man has been really happy uh, or excuse me. Kill man has been really pleasing for aftershock. So I'm actually pitching a swimming book uh, with one of my friends uh, as well as we speak. So hopefully, hopefully you're right. Um, you know, two, two Steves, uh, writing this book, both of whom swam in high school, both of whom ended up being huge queers. So, I mean, I don't even know what that book will look like yet, but look for it in 2022 if they say yes, and you will have heard it here first. So we're we're trying to single-handedly, uh, uh, resurrect the sports genre in semi-mainstream comics with a nice infusion of violence or perhaps crime drama, you know, we'll see as the years go on.
0: And with the poll coming out from TKO, I know that got announced really recently. Can you give us much about what the premise of that book is yet?
1: Oh, sure. Uh, the poll actually started out as a super, super, it's funny. It actually started out as the thing that Grant did in Green Lantern, but I was working on that way before him. Uh, and obviously I'm not Grant, but uh, yeah, no, it started out as like a uh, bad Lieutenant Port of Call, New Orleans. One of my favorite bizarre Nicholas Cage Uh, performances meets Green Lantern. And it was like, you know, what if we had a Green Lantern that was totally corrupt and just like a big time piece of shit. Uh, And then you threw a real world ending crisis at him. And and, and that is what you have in the poll. You have a book that essentially is an homage to Crisis and Infinite Earths, uh, but done as a sci-fi book, not a superhero book. So, you know, for instead of, you know, the world superheroes uh, coming together, you have the 13 officers of the horizon, each of whom have this science fiction prosthesis that lets them manipulate hard heat, which is our, 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 our mystery energy in the pool and lets them play with gravity and, and do similar things to Green Lantern. Uh, but the issue is there's only 13 of them. Uh, and, and much like we're talking about with Kill a Man, it's wrapped around an intensely personal story. Yeah, uh, uh, Brenton Dem, the, the lead of the book, uh, when people discovered the existence of the undoer, which is uh, sort of uh, my homage to both uh, the antimatter wall and in, in COIE, and also Mageddon uh, from JLA, World War III, you know, this destroyer is coming towards earth because uh, it op- has the opposite net charge of hard heat. And we're abusing this new technology so much that it's just being pulled towards earth. And once the world discovers this, obviously people go wild. Uh, and one year before the book starts, the lead uh, is engaged to Guyano Tyve. Her father uh, has started this sort of like Heaven's Gate type cult, and there's a standoff, like a Waco style standoff. Dem hotshots in and blows up the situation, ends up getting hundreds of people killed, and he's disgraced. And the worst thing is, is that all the media frenzy on that it makes the world know that everything about the undoer is true. So a year later, uh, the book picks up when there's seven days left until the undoer comes and the world is gonna end, there's no question. Uh, and Dem has just completely shit the bed with guilt and, and, and self-hatred. Uh, the only issue is that then his ex-girlfriend shows up with a box that can maybe save the world. And the question finally becomes, is he willing or strong enough to do a ton more bad things in the next seven days to do one good thing? And, and, and that's, of course, Save seven billion people,
0: and that sounds uh, honestly like one of the most fascinating things from uh, any publisher right now. And uh, like, when is? Do you have like a, a somewhat release window for that yet, or is that just sometime next year?
1: Oh hell no! Uh, TKO. It does not like any other publisher. That shit is out next month. Oh wow, really? Yeah. So they um. they hit the direct market. You order directly from them, and they do direct delivery. But they will be available. It's in pre-order starting the middle of this month, and then I believe it's out, this is out of my ass, uh, but November 16th or 17th, because I'm not looking at a cheat sheet on my computer. But it's a month. It's about a month after pre order start, and they go directly, they're direct-to-consumer. So it's not the normal, like, you announce a book and then it comes out six months later. They announce it and it comes out a month and a half later.
0: Oh, that's and, it's insane. Already
1: done, and it's already done. Like, you will 100% get it. They offer three formats, which I think is really cool. One of the reasons I want to work with them is that they are doing new things, uh and you can buy books a trade paperback from them you can buy it in digital or you can buy it in a slipcase edition that has uh all six individual issues that are quote unquote bingeable and you get them all at the same time so we're done like everything you're going to get the whole book uh in about a month from now
0: that's awesome i wasn't expecting all three of these to be out this year but that's that's exciting for me as the reader
1: oh man and i have a little and, and i have my dc crisis one shot as well i'm not totally done with them that's out in december uh, so I, I'm all over the place, but you know, it, that's, what's fun about this. That's, what's fun about being a uh, freelance.
0: And I'm uh, moving over from just talking about your books to just questions that uh, some of you are or listeners had. Um, the first one I have is from house the house of comics podcast. They're curious of, in when your opinion, which wrestlers uh, heel face origin or heel face turn story. Do you think is worthy of a comic book adaptation?
1: Uh, I might be doing wrestling comics so that's interesting you should say that um so what do you think that means what wrestlers or so so it's what wrestlers origin is worthy of a comic or what wrestling turn like because yeah like, i guess
0: they're they like origin of their character i guess is the best <laughs> way
1: to do it i mean if it were me in a modern context i would love to do a book i mean this is the goofiest fucking answer but welcome to my life Like, I would want to do a book set in the present where you finally see old Michaels and old Gennetti talking about Michael's iconic, uh, well, what was supposed to be a heel turn but was really a face turn when he he threw Gennetti through the barbershop window. Uh, At the time, it obviously seemed like it was, but now in hindsight, obviously, like, Gennetti crashed and burned multiple times and Michaels became one of the best of all time in the ring. And also, as people might have seen, like, Jannetty is just batshit insane right now, like, talking about if, it's, if he should sleep with one of his cousins, like, admitting on social media to maybe murdering a guy. So, like, if you wanted to do, like, a real, like, too old, grungy, like, the prestige meets fucking pro wrestling, it would be about Marty Jannetty and Michaels in their 60s, like, still loathing each other uh, over one's success and one's, like, comically sociopathic failures.
0: And uh, the next question I have is from Brett. It's uh, uh, about when the first time you found continuity between comics, like the series themselves. And also, like, how important is it to the continuity of a book when you write for one of the big two? Uh,
1: well, first of all, it was easy for me to find continuity because when I first when I bought my first issue of Justice League, Wonder Woman was Hippolyta. Wally West had a suit made out of the Speed Force gel because his leg was broken and Superman was electric.
0: Uh, Ah, that's Uh, very fair. uh,
1: So, very soon is the answer to that. Um, And immediately opened up like the storytelling possibilities to me because you could have characters react to these changes in other books. Um, As for, uh, oh man, what's the nice answer about how important it is to me? Continuity when I read the big two is vitally important to me, uh, but it's a two way street. Uh, so you can only do so much as one creator, I guess is what I'll say. I always did everything I could, uh, to make sure everything I did fit in everything else. And I still do. Uh, but, you know, you're working in an office with generously 30 other creators, all of whom have to be on that page. And if they're not without, you know, and I'm not like painting one bag or another. The fact is, if anything happens, you know, like someone is late, there's not time to check something, uh it's like a cascading effect. But for me personally, it's, it's incredibly important. I try to never actively contradict anything else. Um, and certainly my own books are always in continuity, but I try to be in concert with everyone else. But it can be a huge Rube Goldberg device uh, from which there are multiple uh, potentially calamitous uh, issues uh, that, that can arise out of nowhere. It can be as simple as a botched deadline or a misunderstanding or a misreading of something. So it's super important to me and it always will be, but I would say it's never as simple as folks think as well.
0: And uh, last question from Patrick is, uh, is there any news on Electric Warriors trade? And also what are some older comic book properties you would like to take a crack at?
1: Uh, I mean, there's (laughs) Electric Warriors, God love you, Patrick. I love that book, uh, but but I always, look, I'll be honest, there's not gonna be a trade. And I say that not to bring you down, but because I try to be someone who always tells my readers the truth. Uh, Even if it kind of sucks, you guys deserve the truth versus some bullshit. And I would rather not say, oh, you never know. Uh, No, we know. Uh, And unfortunately, you know, the book just didn't catch on uh, with sales numbers to justify a trade. I'm heartbroken by that because I love that book. But the answer is there probably won't be one, almost definitely won't be one. And I would, and I'm saying that because you have to know I will always, be honest with you, even if it's maybe not the sort of rosy candy coated answer that, that folks might want. So I, I try to engender that so when I say something good, you know, it's not bullshit as well. Um, but that said all the issues are out there and I love that book Travel Foreman was uh, a unique sort of a comics god on that book and I'm super, super proud of it. As for properties that I would like to renovate. Uh, Well, I love The Shadow. Like, Batman in the Shadow is probably one of my favorite things I did at DC. You know, it gave me my second collaboration with Riley Rossmo, who is my favorite collaborator at DC. We then went on to Martian Manhunter. That was my golden goose book. Like, I, you know, I could retire after that and be happy. However, I'm not retiring because, again, rent and also passion. But I would love A Crack at the Shadow on his own. Um, I'd love... Miss Fury. Uh, there's, a, I mean, in Commanders in Crisis, there's an allusion to June uh, Tarpey Mills uh, and, and Miss Fury's character, because again, foundational creators that we should be talking more about. Uh, but I love that character. I love um, I mean, so many things in Marvel, because I was just in the door, uh, between, you know, before the pandemic. I love Man-Thing. Uh, I love Dr. Doom. I love Captain America. Cap is probably my favorite Marvel Comics character and one of my favorite characters in comics. Uh, you know like like every <laughs> like like most folks, I would love a crack at the mutant characters, but as for older properties as well, um you know, I'm looking at a Strike force collection on my on my uh shelf, and that's an amazing book. I love also Magnus Robot Fighter. Uh, I should say that more often. I actually think Magnus is a super simple but so easy to make good and cool concepts, so I would love a crack at that as well.
0: Do you have a Captain America pitch just like ready to go If Marvel just knocked on your door?
1: Um, I don't even know if I do. Like I, you know, a lot of people love to say that they do, but you know, Cap is so like writing Cap is so dependent on uh, the world around him. Mm-hmm. I think I can look one up really fast, but to me, like, I don't like fanboy out about much anymore because, you know, when you, when you work in a sausage factory, sometimes you don't always get excited about eating sausage for dinner. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time though, I will say, every single time someone has ca- cap drop that is loyal only to the dream, like I still get emotional. Like it was the beginning of the Ta-Nehisi Coates run. Uh, like to me, I, I mean, look, I, I'm, I, I'm dating a guy who likes Star Trek and clarinets and doesn't necessarily understand why I get weepy during an episode of fucking, you know, of Bender's Earth Mightiest Heroes.
0: Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, but I love that character. And I think it's so important that he's essentially like, it's easy to write him off as a jingoistic character, but the idea that at the end of the day, he doesn't care what anyone says, he cares about the idea is so powerful. Uh, you know, it offers you essentially the human risk of a character like Batman because he's relatively mortal, with the fact that he is intrinsically good like Superman. Uh, and, and I don't know, like, I I love that character. Like I can go on about him. I could go on and on about Cap. So, uh, I don't have one like off the top of my head because it really depends on the world around, but I know that whatever bullshit is going on in the world and the world has a lot of fucking bullshit right now, that Cap is always going to be the knife to cut through it and remember the idea and remember that the dream is what's important.
0: And I think that as long as the whoever's writing Cap has that in mind, I feel like he's one of the easily one of the best books at Marvel at all times.
1: I mean, he's the guy that's there, you know. Uh, it, it, it's it's just it, it's so that for me, you know. There are like to me like that moment in Civil War where everything is going on and like in comic book world, the thing that really pisses him off is that he was supposed to be playing baseball with a cancer kid for Make a Wish. You know, like yeah. Time and like sometimes that's all you need as a human being to know that someone's going to make the time. I'm getting emotional about it, talking about it right now. So, um, but no, I think he's a really important character, uh, and uh, hopefully someday, you know. But but I but I love that guy.
0: Well, th- Steve, I want to just say thank you again for being on the show. Um, Commanders of Crisis is out next week. Kill a Man is out this month.
1: Honestly, probably November right now. Okay. Uh, on the topic of honesty, uh, we're running a little behind on that, um, but it's going to be fucking great, and it, it should be out in November.
0: And then the poll also out sometime November, right?
1: Yes, but for sure. Uh, <laughs> for a for sure. Uh, I, it, the, the the release is probably on the TKO website. That's out, and I'm remiss to not say uh, just cause we haven't mentioned too much. Uh, Tales from the Dark Multiverse, Crisis, and Infinite Earths. Is out in December as well. Beautiful art by Mike Perkins. All I'll say is, I spent six years at DC. The Justice Society was never in continuity. they by some of my favorite characters. So, God help me. I am writing the hell out of them in this book. Uh, the conceit is basically, what if Earth 2 survived uh, the crisis instead of Earth 1? And it's a heartbreaking book. You know, these dark multiverse uh, stories, <laughs> they're supposed to be tragedies. Uh, but I'm I'm incredibly happy with it. We got a little bit of hope in there, too. I stuck a little in under people's noses. So And now, uh,
0: and now all I want is the JSA, like, maxi-series that's in continuity by you.
1: With, I would um, write them, I mean, just Wesley Dodds. You know, you want to talk about characters I've never written, like the original Sandman. Um, I mean, look, Sandman Mystery Theater is one of the greatest comics ever written uh, by Matt Wagner, Siegel, and art by Guy Davis. Uh, I love that book. And and I hope that for, for, for yeah, on the topic of continuity, like I hope everyone finds things that they really, really enjoy in that one shot. I know I had an incredible time getting to write characters like Alan Scott, who I never thought I would get to write. And yeah, I mean, it's a dark multiverse book. It's going to be, things are going to be rough. But at the same time, uh, I think having that sort of like If you've seen in the other one shots, they all sort of exist in that last minute uh, where, like, you know, the fuse is right before the end when things blow up, and like that's where it picks up. Uh, So it's like you know things are going to go badly for your heroes because it's the dark multiverse, but at the same time, that's when they are their truest selves, and that's where you get the rawest, realest character out of them. So in that same moment of crafting this tragic uh, circumstance for the Justice Society of Earth uh i found a lot of really sweet and gripping moments with all these characters and look i got to write the original superman and the original lois just empowering each other and being in love so i hope you guys check that out too
0: I can't wait for that. Um, And You can follow this podcast on Twitter at Comics Matter Pod, Facebook at facebook.com slash comics matter. You can email me at Comics matter at gmail.com. If you have any questions for guests, stories about how comics impacted you, or want to be a guest, you can reach me out. You can reach me at all those. Uh, Please rate and review wherever you find the show and share with a friend. And uh, the logo for the podcast done by my friend Stephen. And the theme is Join the Restaurant by David And Always remember, uh, be kind to one another.